Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth from Lost Lamb Association out of Bangor, Maine. Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Well, we know that the Word of God says that uh, we are to go out, to go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Talk to me today about that. Well, you've been attending our evangelism school this week, and one of the things that we talked about today is that the Bible tells us, and the Bible has to be the foundation for every successful work of God, but the Scripture tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And we addressed a little of that in today's session when we were talking about how many times the modern church is built around a come-they philosophy. And by that I mean many churches strategize and plan and build trying to decide what can we do inside the four walls of the church that will make our church so alluring, so beautiful, so musical, so relevant. And they add the technology and all of the smoke and mirrors trying to figure out how to draw the community to themselves, which is the antithesis of the gospel. And of course, we believe in the local church. It's the bride of Christ and We love and respect the local church. I'm not being critical of that. But I am saying that too often times the local church locks itself inside the four walls waiting for the world to come to them and strategizing as to how they can get the world to come to them when the essence of evangelism is built upon go ye. So as long as the church operates upon a come-they philosophy, they'll never succeed in effective evangelism because of effective evangelism is built upon the concept biblically of go ye. Well, we know that we're missing a few generations in our churches and in some of our churches. <clears throat> I think what you said about going out, um, I heard a songwriter, Elizabeth Rhino, who wrote a song, a mission song, And she said, I see a way to worship you. I see uh, the hungry. I see the lonely. And I see a way to worship you. And it is going out. Another thought that I have is that, as you had talked about that bridge between man and God and steps to peace with God, talk to me about that. Well, this would be of particular interest not only to those that are Christians that may be listening, but maybe there are individuals that are listening to your program that don't know where they stand with God, or maybe they're seeking, or maybe they wonder. But people need to understand the fundamentals, and the fundamentals are that we are separated from God because of a sinful nature. Uh, The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No person, including preachers, can stand and say, I've never sinned. The Bible says all have sinned. So we don't want people who are in sin to feel comfortable with sin, but neither do we want them to feel that they're excluded from the plan of God because of sin. Uh, It's just that sin is the problem. It separates us from God. And in our Lost Lamb events, one of the things that I try to make clear, and I hope that those that uh, may be listening today, that I can make it clear to you as well, if you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your heart is right with God, I spoke uh, uh, several days ago to a 96-year-old man at lunch, 
and asked him uh, the question, uh, Sir, you're 96 years old. Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when you breathe your last breath here on this earth that you'd be ready to meet the Lord? Now, whether you're 96 or 26 or 6, that question is still relevant because there's nothing more important in all of the world than being able to lay your head to the pillow at the end of every day and know that your heart is right with God. So how does a person know if they're right with God? I always tell people it's as simple as ABC. A, the Bible says there has to be a time in your life when you admit your sin. There has to be a time in your life when in childlike faith, you simply admit to yourself and to God, Lord, I know I have sinned. I have fallen short of your holiness. B, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. Not just believe intellectually that he existed, not just believe intellectually that he was a great teacher or philosopher or um, world life changer, but believe that he is the Son of God. The Bible said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it's beyond a belief in his existence. I'm talking about believing he's the Son of God, believing that he loves sinners. The Bible said that Jesus was the friend of sinners. Too many times the church, uh, whether purposefully or not, were guilty of making people feel like they're second-class citizens if they don't go to church or if they don't claim to know Christ. But everybody's somebody to God. But there has to be a time in that person's life when they believe that Christ loves them, that he died on the cross for sinners, that he rose again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is provable as a historic fact. And then see, there has to be a commitment. There has to be a time in your life when you make a genuine commitment to the Lord. Oftentimes people do that through prayer. In all of our Lost Lamb events, as I'm going to do today on the radio program, for those of you that are listening, before Angel and I are done, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer that I pray at the end of every Lost Lamb event. And I always tell people, if you're not sure that your heart is right with God, and uh, for many people, they, they just are honest enough to say, Preacher, I know my heart's not right with God. I know if I were to die right now, I'd go to hell. I've had people tell me, I've done so many things, God couldn't possibly forgive me. But that's not true. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So the essence of your question is this. God by nature is holy. We by nature are sinful. It is the sinful nature of humanity that separates us from a right relationship with the Holy God. The cross of Jesus Christ became a bridge between the unholiness of men and the holiness of God. That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, by his own mouth, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. He didn't say, I am a way among many ways. He didn't say, I am a truth among many truths. He didn't say, I am a life among many lives. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can have right relationship with God 
except through the cross of Jesus Christ. He's the only person in human history who died on a cross for the sins of mankind by his own confession and then had a resurrection that's provable. He is the Son of God. He's still the friend of sinners. And there has to be a time in a person's life when they personally and publicly make a commitment to Jesus Christ to be saved. Right. And then after repentance, there's a turning from that sin. Well, actually, the word repentance in the original Greek means, uh, if we were to translate it from the Greek context to a 21st century English, uh, it would most literally mean make a U-turn. Repentance means you're headed in the wrong direction, make a U-turn. It's uh, turning your back on sin and turning your heart to Christ. But here's what I want your listeners to understand. You don't have the ability to live a Christian life in your own willpower. No matter how much you study the Bible, you cannot intellectually ascend to the Christian life. The Bible says, as many as receive Christ, he gives to them the power in John's Gospel. As many as receive Christ, the Bible said, he gives to them the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. There is an unexplainable power that God gives to people who take him at his word. And when a person repents of sin and says, Lord, by childlike faith, today I'm willing to turn my back on sin and to turn my heart to Christ, but you're going to have to help me do this. He said, I'm going to give to you the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Addicts are able to live without their drugs anymore or without their alcohol or without their vice because the sins and the chains that bound them are broken by the power of that conversion when Christ truly comes into a heart. When Christ comes into a heart in childlike faith by a personal acceptance, the chains of sin that lead us in wrong directions and lead us away from our destinies are broken by the power of the resurrected Christ and we have newness of life. My favorite verse in the Bible, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, if any person comes to Christ, they become a brand new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Amen. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? It is. Do you say about a person that makes that decision, but then um, the Bible says he changes us from glory to glory. Some people, myself included, we didn't um, get cleaned up overnight. It was a process. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, if you were to go to seminary or Bible college... And I preface my remarks by saying uh, not all seminaries and Bible colleges teach the Bible anymore. There's a lot of um, non-Bible truth being taught in Bible colleges and seminaries, unfortunately. But if you were to study the doctrines of the Scripture, eventually you'd get to a fancy word called sanctification. Mm -hmm. And that word means that we're sanctified or we're made clean through the forgiveness of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ. But sanctification, when a person is saved, is twofold. Number one, it's instantaneous. When a person gives their heart to Christ, there is an instantaneous, in that moment, miracle that forgives every sin, all their past, 
anything in their life that was displeasing to God is forgiven and forgotten. The Bible says that when God forgives, he forgives in a way that we cannot forgive. As a human, I can forgive someone, but I can't forget what they did to me because I'm human. I can't forget it. I can forgive it by choice, but I'll always have the memory of that wrongdoing against me. But with God, he said, I'll forgive and I'll forget. And then the scripture says he buries our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness, never again to be recalled. Literally, when a person comes to Christ, their past life, there is no more record in heaven. They're given a clean slate. They are instantaneously made clean and sanctified. But the second part of sanctification is called progressive. I mentioned earlier that it's twofold. It's instantaneous and it's progressive. And by progressive, I mean that we have to learn how to walk in that clean life. We have to learn how to make better choices. You know, Christians are a lot of times guilty when they fail or when they sin, to blame their error on the devil. But the truth is, most all sin, most all failure, is the result of a poor choice. And we need to learn to make better choices. Classic example of that, the Bible says in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in the New Testament, he said, bad company corrupts good character. So when people are trying to live a Christian life, or to live a good life, or a biblical life, but they're making terrible choices with the people that they hang out with, the places that they go, and the temptations that they bring themselves into subjection to, then they shouldn't be shocked when there are poor results from poor decisions. So that's why the importance of the scripture is vital to the Christian life. The Bible said it's a, it's a true trait of, of real discipleship and conversion. He said, you'll learn and know my word. Paul told his protege in the ministry, Timothy, he said, Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's progressive in the sense that as we learn, we become responsible for that which we have learned. The Bible says, to whom much is given much shall also be required. So as we come to an understanding of truth, God holds us accountable for what we understand. And so the person who's been saved for a month is not going to have as clear an understanding, hopefully, as someone who's been saved for 50 years. The person that's been saved for 50 years that has learned more and has had more revelation is going to have a different level of responsibility to God. But whether you're saved for a a day or whether you're saved for 50 years, you're continually progressing in your relationship with God. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean that there should be a purposeful decision in your life. I'm going to do my best with the help of the power of God to live a clean, holy life according to the teachings of the Bible. I always tell people there's three things you need to do with your Bible. You need to love it, you need to learn it, and you need to live it. And so I don't want to make things overly complicated for the listener. And if you're a new believer or someone who's on a spiritual journey, let me condense it into something I could teach to your children. If you'll get a Bible and pray over it every day, Lord, teach me to love this book. Teach me to learn this book and help me to live this book. You'll do pretty well. Amen.
Evangelist Shuttlesworth, tell me, how many people have you seen come to the Lord during your ministry? Well, when I was 17 years old, I had an encounter with the Lord in a prayer room at Bible College as I was there studying and preparing for ministry. And uh, I don't want to get ethereal or freak people out, but uh, I didn't hear a, an audible voice and angels didn't uh, descend from heaven on a ladder and give me a message. But I felt an impression in my heart so strong. I was 17 at the time. I'll tell you how strong the impression was. When I got up off my knees at 17 until today, and I'm 58, I did exactly what that impression in my heart was. And that impression was I felt an incredible burden to do my best to lead one million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so from the age of 17 until today, that's the only task I've assigned my life to. And in uh, my 38 years of full-time ministry, I have uh, spoken on average of about 300 times a year for 38 years in over 50 countries of the world. In the early days, I didn't have the resources. I didn't have staff. I didn't have an office. I didn't have an incorporation. I didn't have a lot of the things that God has blessed me with through the years. I didn't even have a good camera and didn't have camera skills. Uh, I say that to say this. I remember early on uh, when the walls first came down in Russia, by faith I went over and uh, did an event there in Minsk and also in Kazakhstan. But I had no video camera. I didn't have the resources to take a videographer or photographer with me. It was all I could do to get there myself. As a matter of fact, I ran out of money before I got home, even going there by faith. But I can tell you that um, Russian officials, uh, Russian police that were at that meeting, uh, said one night that they estimated over 40,000 people came forward to receive Christ. Uh, there were probably over 70,000 in the Minsk arena. We had gone over with two other evangelists splitting costs and doing our best. And uh, we had just rented that uh, arena in Minsk, believe it or not. I think it was only about 800 U.S. dollars back in those days to, re, uh, to rent that uh, Olympic training center. And we were asking God to give us faith for 5,000, maybe 10,000. We had set up just facing one set of bleachers. Um, but before it was all said and done, it was almost filled. The gospel had, had been held back there in Russia for almost four decades, and they had hungry hearts and were precious people. But uh, So I can't document all numbers, but I think conservatively we've seen uh, well over half a million people that have made first-time decisions for Christ. That wouldn't count recommitments and individuals that have responded at altars, but those that uh, have come forward and, and on our decision cards and dealing with our altar workers and counselors, uh, there's a box on that uh, card. If this is the very first time that you've personally received Christ as Lord and Savior that they can check, I would say conservatively we're in the half a million range. And I don't say that in bragging, I'm, I'm actually saying that in failure. Because when I was 17, I felt like the Lord spoke clearly to my heart to do a million. But I'm not dead yet, and uh, I'm not done yet. So I'm believing if the Lord really spoke to my heart, He'll help me with the rest. Amen. I like what you said about speak the word, live the word. You know, that's, it's the word that does change us. Absolutely. And as we get that word hidden in our hearts, when we need it, the Holy Spirit brings it back to mind. And so I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. Talk to me a little bit about how the Holy Spirit leads a person in this journey with God. Well, again, for those that might be listening that are not uh, 
Christians or maybe didn't grow up in church or haven't studied the Bible, a conversation about the Holy Spirit may freak you out a little bit, but the Bible tells us that the power of God is given to us in a trinity. It's sometimes called the trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, there have been many ways of trying to help people understand that. How can three be one? How can one be three? And those are valid questions, and uh, sometimes it's illustrated with water. We have water in liquid form. We have it in, in gas form, in the form of steam. We have it in the form of a solid, which would be ice. And we have three words and three different qualities, but all of which are H2O. The same could be said of an egg and so on. But the Bible says that there is a spirit, a Holy Spirit from God, and that he helps people who are living for Christ. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that he'll give us power, and he'll give us power to be God's witnesses. So the good news of that, and uh, don't strain on the complexities of that if you're a person who's never studied the Scripture, the simplicity that I want you to grasp is that when you give your heart to Christ, you have a helpmate. The original word in the Greek is paraclete, one that clings to us and walks with us and helps us and assists us. And so there will be times that God will give you strength that's not your own strength. There will be times that God will help you to overcome a temptation that you and your own ability didn't have the ability to overcome. There will be times that you'll be able to walk away from things you couldn't walk away from before. There will be times that you'll actually have knowledge of things that you haven't studied. And uh, God will, by providential design, lead and orchestrate your life, your destiny, your footsteps, people that will come into your life, people that will exit your life. The Bible has so much to say on the help of the Holy Spirit, but uh, I would hope the listener would remember this one thing. He's available to all that belong to God. I want to just touch on one more thing before I have you pray for our listeners. If someone wanted to get in contact with you, how do they do that? If somebody wants to get in contact with Lost Land Ministries Association, how would they um, get in contact with you? And are you open to go for other engagements? Sure. Uh, well, in this day and age of technology, there are multiple ways. Our website is lostlamb.org, L-O-S-T-L-A-M-B, lostlamb.org. That's our website. Uh, you can follow us at Facebook. I actually have two pages on Facebook. When I first started out, I didn't understand at all. And uh, staff encouraged me to open up a page. And it wasn't too long after I opened it up that we had 5,000 uh, friends and followers, as they call them. And I didn't realize there was a limit. And so some people get frustrated with me because they say, I tried to follow you on Facebook, but you wouldn't follow us back. So we have a second page that's unlimited, and that would be Tiff Shuttlesworth Lost Lamb. Uh, we have an Instagram account and a Twitter account and Periscope, and we're trying to use just about any kinds of technology that uh, are available to us today. So uh, if, if you'll look for me, you'll find me, and anyone that's listening, anything I could do to help you with your uh, desire to follow the Lord or to learn uh, more about these things, I, I would be so uh, eager to help you. Thank you. And one thing you said this morning, I remember now what I wanted to ask you, was you had said um, for pastors that they should, at the end of each service, give an invitation. Can you just talk uh, a little bit about that? Well, the Bible says, as your faith is, so be it unto you. If a pastor uh, 
truly desires to see his church become effective in evangelism and grow and reach and help his community, then he should give opportunity for people to receive Christ in every single service, even if he knows every single person in the building. And the reason I say that is because even when you give an invitation and no one responds, it might hurt the pastor's pride or the guest speaker's pride if no one responds. And for that reason, sadly, many don't give invitations because they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their people. But you need to humble yourself and die to that. And realize that by starting to give an invitation in every service, you send a signal to God. God, I want you to know that in this community, my church is open to people who need Christ. Please send them in. Because God has the ability to draw people into the house uh, that we don't have the ability to draw through any of our advertising and efforts. And um, give God an opportunity. And secondly, even if no one responds, you actually send a signal to your congregation. If no one gets saved, it's their responsibility as much as the pastor's to make sure that there are guests being brought in that need Christ. And then a pastor asks to also, and I say this humbly, my father was a pastor. I have deep love and appreciation and respect for pastors. But pastors, you need to ask yourself, am I preaching something that would make sense to a person that needs Christ? Or am I only doing a pep rally for believers every week? Because if you're only doing a pep rally geared for believers every week, don't be surprised if you never see people come in that need Christ transformed. So we need to make room for the gospel in every service. And even if it's just at the end, saying, I never close a service without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, I'd like to pray with you. You don't have to preach another hour message. You can preach and teach and expound the scriptures and help the people that are Christians grow in their faith. But never be so busy that you don't have time to give an opportunity for people to be saved. And I would highly encourage every ministry leader within the sound of my voice that hears this program, if you need help in that area, we have resources that we'll give to you for free. Thank you. And will you pray for our listeners today? Yes. Those of you that are listening, I mentioned earlier, if you need Christ, it's as simple as ABC. Admit your sin, believe in Christ, make a commitment. Right where you're at, you can make a commitment to Christ. And I would challenge you just to pray this prayer with me out loud wherever you're at. Just by faith, say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory and your holiness. You know everything I've ever done. But today I believe in Jesus Christ as your son, that he died on the cross for sinners and shed his blood. And so today as I admit my sin, I ask for the forgiveness of the cross Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse my mind, my body, and my spirit. Make me pure in your eyes. For today I make a commitment to God in faith. Help me to live for you. Help me to love your word, to learn your word, to live your word. This day in Jesus' name, I turn my back on sin. I turn my heart to Christ. And I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, please get a hold of us at lostlamb.org and let us know. We'd be happy to send you some materials and get a hold of Angel as well. Let her know today's not the end, but just the beginning of what God's going to do in your life. Well, thank you, Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, and thank you listeners for joining me today. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.